Hello everyone, this is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. Believe it or not, we are more than halfway through 2019. To do the 12 Geniuses second quarter review, I've asked my friend and fellow podcaster Lori Rudiman to join me and play host. Lori is a writer and international speaker on the topic of work, and her podcast, Let's Fix Work, addresses the many ways work is broken. Each week, her guests discuss how it can be fixed. Lori, welcome to 12 Geniuses. Wow. Thanks, Don. Welcome to the second half of 2019. I can't believe we're entering a new decade in less than six months. It's amazing. And I'm excited to discuss what 12 Geniuses is following, where you've traveled, and where your focus will be in the third quarter of 2019. It is hard to believe that we are closing in on the end of another decade. So the teens are going to be in our rearview mirror. And we're going to be in the roaring 20s, hopefully. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy to me. And the fact that we've been friends for almost a decade is also amazing. And you just lead such an interesting, exciting life. And I wonder, what have you been following over the last three months? The last three months have been kind of a recycling of the past year or so. I've been focusing on a handful of technologies and trends that are going to shape the way that we live and work in the next decade. And the technologies are ones that I've talked about in the past, artificial intelligence, drones, robotics, 3D printing, virtual reality. But I've also started to focus more closely on aging and not only aging in the United States, but globally. And another topic that I dove into this year or this past three months is cannabis and the legalization of cannabis in the United States and also the trends around legal cannabis uh, globally. And then I've been exploring some new medical procedures. And some of these have just kind of fallen into my lap as I was exploring the use of cannabis. And some of them are dealing with trauma. So you might have seen on 60 Minutes recently, a procedure called SGB, which is stellate ganglion block. And it's a procedure that a lot of, well, a number of war veterans are getting to deal with PTSD. And it's remarkable. The 60 Minutes episode was was quite stunning in how quickly the, the soldiers responded to this and got relief from this PTSD. And then there are a number of others that I've been looking at too. One is called EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's another procedure to deal with PTSD. And then there's a group of people using MDMA, which you probably know as ecstasy, to deal with trauma as well. So, you know, cannabis kind of opened this Pandora's box of new procedures to to deal with trauma, PTSD, and the like. Wow, that's really fascinating. You've been studying a lot of this for many years, and you and I have really never talked about this on a personal level, but... I have done EMDR and found great relief with it. I mean, it was just really moving in my life and has really helped me. And your episode on cannabis was so fascinating. And just when you think you know everything, you learn a little. That's what I absolutely love about this show. So I wonder what you're trying to learn in the third quarter. What's new and interesting for you? The main thing is uh, focusing on how technologies are shaping our behaviors in ways that we didn't expect. And one of the things that I learned when I had a software company is when you develop software, there's an intention for how clients should be using it. And then they always come up with ways 
that you didn't think about. So we created this employee engagement software that companies could use. And then people started to use it for 360 degree feedback and performance reviews and all of these different innovative ways. And that's really interesting and that's great. But oftentimes technologies have a dark side or a downside. And some of these dark sides might be unintended. And what, what scientists are finding is that virtual assistants like Siri and Alexa are making kids rude. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So It's really fascinating. Yeah. And I don't think kids need any help being rude. Like that just comes natural to them, right? I mean, you know. Right. So when, when, a, when a child typically asks an adult for something, you know, the adult might correct them and say, well, you, you know, it would be nice if you said pleased or thank you or things like that. Siri doesn't. And so that is actually shaping their behaviors. And so when they're in public or when they're at school, their behaviors aren't the way they might have been 10 or 15 years ago. So, so that's really interesting. There's a, there's a scientist at Yale called Nicholas Christakis, and he and his students are studying things like driverless cars and the way that driverless cars should be programmed to optimize safety. So I didn't really even think about this, but I heard an interview from him and he was talking about how when you're around a driverless car, you think that that is going to be looking out for you. So if you're just a driver in a regular car, you think, oh, the driverless car is gonna be looking out for me so I can kind of relax. And actually they're finding that that's making it more dangerous. So they're, they're testing whether the driverless car should unexpectedly speed up or maybe flash their brakes uh, in traffic so as to alert the driver in the regular car. So, so these are some of the things that I'll be studying over the third quarter. God, I'm really fascinated. And I look forward to those episodes because I think you're right. We have a bias in believing that technology brings out the best in us. And sometimes that's absolutely not true. And I wonder if there's a cultural component to the way technology interacts with our lives. So I'm curious as to where you traveled in the second quarter and how did you see some of the stories playing out on the international stage? I had a number of trips this past quarter, some domestic, some international. What I noticed when I was traveling internationally is how much less people rely on their phones or how less frequently they're on their phones. Even on public transportation, where almost exclusively in the United States, you'll see people on their phones, texting, listening to music, things like that. When I was in the UK, I saw people reading physical books, which was great. But what was really remarkable was my time in Serbia. And this is my third trip to Serbia over the past maybe 11 or 12 years. And in Serbia, the phone is far less prevalent or far less used than here in the United States. And I asked people about a handful of things. I asked them about online shopping, online dating, and social media use. For the most part, online dating is not nearly as common as it is in the United States. Online shopping is used, but far less than it is here. And there's actually a really vibrant retail scene in Belgrade, which is where I spent most of my time. And then social media is used, but not as commonly as it is here. Now, I had a conversation with a guy. We were just having coffee next to each other. I started chatting with him and I asked him about these things. And he said, 
everything in the United States is coming here. So the online dating, the online retail, and the social media, it's coming and it will be a lot like the United States, which kind of made me sad because I really, really loved the retail scene in Belgrade. You know, your trip to Colorado brought you to Estes Park, and I've never been there. I've heard it's incredibly beautiful. And you joined the board of directors for Harmony Foundation. Harmony is a drug and alcohol addiction treatment facility, and you are not part of the recovery community directly. So I wonder, what drew you to this work? Two things. The CEO is someone I've known for about 15 years, and his name is Jim Geckler. When I met Jim, he was actually renting from me. So he moved into a duplex that I owned in Minneapolis. He was new to recovery, and he and I have become close over the years. It's a really a remarkable story because he was working in a coffee shop for a while, eventually managed that coffee shop, then got into the recovery scene himself, working for Hazelden here in Minnesota, and then moved to Estes Park to work at Harmony. So a dramatic shift in what his life was like, and recovery made that possible. And the thing that interests me about recovery is I see drug and alcohol addiction as being an incredible barrier to people reaching their human potential. And that's something I have dedicated my professional life to is allowing people or enabling people to reach their human potential. And so that was the second thing that drew me to Harmony. And I'm really, really excited about this because we are saving lives and we are helping people reach their full potential. And that's really, really exciting to me. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, you you are all about human performance, human potential, and removing barriers. And you've recently created a new organization this quarter called the Inner City Ducks. What is that? I am so fascinated by this. Tell us more. The mission of 12 Geniuses is to educate the leaders of today and build the leaders of tomorrow. And this is part of building the leaders of tomorrow. So the first part of the mission is what I do on a regular basis here with the podcast, you know, putting out interesting content around the trends that are going to shape the way we live and work over the next decade. I do speaking engagements, things like that for corporations and associations. And the second part of the mission is to build the leaders of tomorrow. And so I started this organization with two other men, Nick Dilday, who works for the Hennepin County Juvenile Detention Center, and Shaquille Nelson. And Shaquille and I have been matched through Big Brothers Big Sisters for 16 years. We actually got matched when he was nine, so he's 25 now. And really remarkably, he wants to pay it forward in his life. He wants to influence young people, influence them so they can reach their full potential. And so he had this idea of creating the inner city ducks where we would create athletic teams, football and basketball teams for community members, typically kids who might be somewhat disadvantaged. And we're taking them around, typically the Midwest, to play in football and basketball tournaments and exposing them to people and places that they normally wouldn't have exposure to. And we started the, the Ducks in April. We had 13 kids. The local CBS news affiliate did a story on Shaquille and me. And we instantly ballooned to over 30 kids, created a second team. And now we're starting to bring in girls to be involved in basketball. So we want this to be a very inclusive group. 
And Nick and Shaquille are dedicated to doing this. They're the coaches. They're dedicating an incredible amount of time. And I'm helping them with the organizational part of it, with the mission, the vision, the values, these types of things, and and obviously doing some fundraising as well. What we want to do is eventually scale this to about 150 kids. Ages 8 to 14, we'll have multiple football teams, multiple basketball teams, boys and girls. So it's a really, really exciting thing, and it fits right in with the mission of 12 Geniuses and what I've dedicated my life to doing, which is helping people reach their human potential. Well, Don, one of the things I'm most interested in is your journey with Big Brothers and your relationship with Shaquille. So I wonder if that is going to be something that you talk a little bit more about on 12 Geniuses. And will we ever hear from Shaquille in the future? Yes. The plan is that he and I will sit down someday and record an episode because he has a really remarkable story. When he was Three years old, his father became incarcerated, and his father didn't get out until he was 14. So there was this huge gap in his life, and there were challenges when his father was out, uh, challenges between the two of them to, to reconcile and to establish a relationship. But you won't find somebody who is more positive than Shaquille and wise wise beyond his years. I'm actually going to be producing a leadership moment. And these are three minute stories about people who exemplified incredible leadership. And there is one coming out in the next couple of months that profiles Shaquille and just the wisdom that he shared with me one day. And and he, he does on a regular basis. He's just a really, really remarkable young person. And I'm so, so proud of him. You know, one of the things I love about 12 Geniuses is that the people you interview are just not okay with the status quo. They've done amazing things, but they're also focused on what's next, their own learning, their own development, their own growth. And it's inspiring. It inspires and challenges me as a leader, as a woman, as an individual member of my community. So I wonder, who are you interviewing in Q3? Like, who's in the pipeline? Who am I going to learn from in the coming weeks? I've got a couple upcoming interviews. So Brother Ali will be in season two. That's in the fall. There's a guy named Ben Weber, who is CEO of Humanize, which is a company that helps organizations with their performance by analyzing all sorts of data that organizations already have. We had a great conversation a couple weeks ago in Boston. Max Heinemeyer is a threat hunter. He's a cybersecurity expert. He's the guy I, I interviewed in London. And we had just a fascinating conversation about how... Innovation is helping protect people from their identity theft and from cyber theft. So we had a great conversation. Then I've got a couple more coming up. There's a guy in New York who is an architect and he designs prisons. Uh, His name is Ken Ricci. I'm interviewing him about how they're trying to design prisons to be more humanitarian. So it can focus on rehabilitation versus just incarceration. So I'm excited about that conversation. And then we've got probably half a dozen other guests we are still trying to to pin down and uh, and schedule. But we've got half a dozen or so that we've either recorded or got on the schedule. Well, you know, you and I are both from the Midwest. And one of the things that we do is we say, you guys, this guy, you guys out there. But you and I have talked about the challenges of being podcast hosts and trying to have a diverse 
field of guests out there, and you've struggled, just like many other podcast hosts, in getting women on your show. So let's be a little transparent about that, Don, and talk about that. What, there are no female geniuses out there? Come on. Lots of female geniuses. Apparently, there's a dearth of female geniuses who want to talk with me. <laughs> and, and so, you know, this was the feedback. And I will say that the audience has been really generous in their feedback. But the two themes were, are you going to have any women on the show? And the episodes are too long. And so I've made corrections in, in both parts of, of those. So for season one, there were actually 13 geniuses, not 12. Five women, eight men. For season two, I'm really having a difficult time booking women as guests. And Devin, who is my production assistant, she's reaching out to a lot. And we're just not getting bites. Now, I will say one of the women we reached out to is the prime minister of Iceland. It was a long shot. It was a long shot. <laughs> She's a little busy. <laughs> a little yes, busy. absolutely. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a bit of an issue, um, but we're trying to overcome it. Don, you recently launched a number of leadership moments. What are those moments and how have they been received? The leadership moments are three-minute episodes about profiling a leader who demonstrated a leadership trait that is exceptional. So it might be an exceptional recognition moment. It might be an exceptional moment where they showed agility. The reason why I wanted to do this is that there's a gap between season one and season two. So I'm not releasing any of the interviews beyond July 1st. And I wanted the audience to have something that they could learn from and that they would be able to very easily digest. So these really are around three minutes, three and a half minutes and no longer. Now, the second thing was, this is really for people who don't want to listen to 35 minutes or 40 minutes in the interview form. And so that, that was the, the impetus behind it. Well, I like that you're on trend with micro learning. And I also like that you're giving people a little bit of what they want. Uh, it tells me that you're listening to feedback. And I know you get a lot of feedback at home. You recently uh, have a couple of new daughters in your life, and your second child turned one in June. So I wonder what she is teaching you that your oldest child didn't, or just in general, like, what are you hearing about fatherhood? What are you learning? What is this experience like? The first part is uh, for any parents of just one child considering having a second child, first of all, I think it's absolutely amazing, and I'm so grateful we did it, but it's three times the work. So just be prepared. Just be prepared. No? <laughs> and, it's, and it's work that I'm, I'm gladly doing, and, and we're gladly doing. But it is, it is a lot more work. The thing that is really remarkable about having a second child is that when the children are interacting, so they're three in one, and when they're interacting, the three-year-old is actually a mirror for how you behave as an adult. The way she talks to her younger sister, is she kind? Is she patient? Is she saying honey? Is an absolute reflection of how you're parenting that older child. The other thing is Sometimes she's not kind. Sometimes she's not patient. <laughs> and so it's, it was really surprising that she's picking up on our cues and, and it's helping me become a better parent and modify my behavior, increase my patience, building my self-awareness. So that, that's been really interesting and I've enjoyed a great deal. Wow, that kind of instant feedback must be so humbling and so instructive. And I would imagine that 
some of that carries over to your real life and thinking about how you want to live, what you want to accomplish, what you want to impart on your daughter, but also daughters, but also your greater community. So what are some of your goals for the third quarter? And I would love to hear your family goals, your podcast goals. Like, what are you thinking about for Q3 2019? It's really about audience expansion. We want to continue to grow the audience. And we've we've met all of our growth goals to date, and we're on track for our, our 2020 goal and likely 2021. And so, you know, that that's that's what we're looking to do is grow the audience. And then I want to start to book a handful of speaking engagements for 2020. You know, somewhere between 10 and 20 would be sufficient. Keynoting about the trends that are changing the way we live and work and will do so over the next decade. Um, you know, that that's a goal of mine. And then family goals just to raise happy, healthy children and keep Michelle happy. And that should do it. Don, we live in a world where it's really, really easy to be angry. Like I could flip in a moment and start going on a rant about politics. So I wonder if you have any advice for me or advice for your audience. Do you think the world is truly better than it's ever been? Like you say that all the time. Do you mean it? 100%. The world is absolutely incredible. And and I'm not just saying that because my life is great. The world is better than ever. And let me be clear on that. It's not better for everybody. So I actually talk about Berlin often when I talk about what the world is like, the current state of the world. So think about it. And we're celebrating 30 years this year. In October, the Berlin Wall will have come down 30 years ago. In 1989, there was West Berlin, which was very, very modern, very progressive. And then you had East Berlin, which was repressive and depressing and under the thumb of the the Soviet empire. And then that wall came down. And for some people, the world of possibilities opened for them. But there were a handful of people who went behind. They, they got behind and these were the uneducated and the, the people who might have been resistant to change and, and who didn't want to embrace it or couldn't imagine the possibilities that opening to the West uh, could provide them. So for these people, the world passed them by. But you go to East Berlin now or what was East Berlin, you can't deny that life is better. It's safer. People are living longer. The world of opportunities are, are more open to them. Women have greater opportunities you can be gay. There's just, it's just like a a microcosm of what the world is like today. I like to remind people that over the last 25, 30 years, over a billion people have escaped abject poverty. So say what you will about globalization. Globalization has lifted and elevated people from living with dirt floors, from brushing their teeth with their fingers, you know, the opportunity to have electricity in whatever type of dwelling that they're having. And, and that progress will continue for many of these people. Has the world passed by some people in our country? Absolutely. Some people who would have worked in factories in the 70s and 80s and or 60s, 50s even, and had great incomes. Has it passed them by? Is it more challenging for them? Yes. But when you look at the world at a macro level, it's irrefutable, undeniable that it's better than ever. So I'm very optimistic, Lori, and I hope that you will be too. And I hope the audience is as well. 
Well, I love it. I'm a better individual because you're my friend. And every time we talk, I do have a glimmer of hope. And I hope that other people feel that way listening to this podcast. And man, from your lips to God's ears, I hope all of that is true. It's been just such a joy to talk to you today, Don. Thanks for letting me help you talk about Q2 and what's coming up for Q3. It's so great to have you on the podcast, Lori. And Thank you for doing this. Before we sign off, please tell people where they can learn more about you and the Let's Fix Work community and the Let's Fix Work podcast, because it is really great for people who are interested in improving the workplace, either as individuals or as leaders or shareholders even. It's a great resource. So please tell people where they can find you. Well, thank you so much. You know, I fundamentally believe that we fix work by fixing ourselves. That's where all great movements start. And so if you're interested in joining that movement, you can find us at letsfixwork.com. Thanks for the opportunity, Don. You're welcome. And thank you for doing this.